Welcome, everybody, to Views from the Bridge, a Philadelphia Union podcast. I'm your host for this week, Justin Ashcraft, filling in in the absence of our fearless leader, Evan Villella. Joining me tonight are our other faithful cast members, Chuck Booth and Paul Cat Jr. Catrino. Gentlemen, how are we? What are we in limbo here? No, no, Chuck, you go first. Um, I'm doing pretty good for a Monday. It's nice waking up to a point and a decent result. It is nice waking up and watching Atlanta's fan base simply crumble under itself because they don't know what to do with themselves right now. I they, just... haven't, they haven't won a game yet. I just have to say, before we get into this game, that was one of the best moments I've ever had in podcast history of, like, I ask a question and both of you just stare, like, ah. <laughs> Okay, go. Uh, so we do have a lot to discuss tonight as we move forward into the fourth week of the MLS season and the quote-unquote international break. The Union got their first point of the season in a determined 1-1 draw against the defending champs, Atlanta United. And we do have some of your questions and more. But let's start here, gentlemen. Maurice Adu finally announced his retirement today. Any thoughts on that? Uh, an absolute professional. Uh, could put him against any guy, and you could say you don't have a nicer dude, a guy who performed at a high level over in Europe and unfortunately had his MLS career cut short by an injury that seemingly lasts for 27 years, but in those really just two and a half years. Um, it's unfortunate, but I, you can't say anything bad about the guy. He was a club ambassador for a very long time. He still speaks very highly of this team and this organization, something that you don't hear a lot of that day. And I respect the hell out of him as a pro and as a human being. Yeah, and, and even while he was injured, he still played a massive role as a club leader because he was the off-the-pitch captain during those years. And right now, honestly, it's great being able to watch him get into broadcasting, and hopefully that ends up leading him back to the union as well. Yeah, I think when you think of somebody who has a competitive you know, bone like like I do, would like any professional soccer player does. You know, they obviously want to compete. I love that. Like when he came, when he came, he got injured. He's trying to come back. He's still willing to go down and play at Steel. You know, trying to work his way back, of course. But he also, you know, is mentoring those kids down at Steel. So that was good to see. Um, and yeah, you can't say a bad thing about the dude. So super, super cool. Um, that you know, broadcasting aside, you know, great dude. Um, and we, we wish him uh, luck in the future just with the next endeavors and the next part of his career as I'm sure he'll, he's not leaving the soccer world in any way, shape, or form. So uh, let's move on to the game this week. On Sunday night, the Union played the defending champs Atlanta United and gutted out a 1-1 draw. Brendan Erickson kicked off the scoring with his first MLS goal to give the Union the lead and the U gave it back late in the game, leaving Ezekiel Barco unmarked on a cross. Gentlemen, I guess we have to start with Aronson though. Thoughts on... Thoughts on the homegrown kid? Um, it starts and ends just by saying he's a fucking baller. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, it, looking at that performance, um, the fact that he got thrown into such a hostile situation and played lights out soccer is 
just backed up everything that this coaching staff has said about him. And even though, realistically, he should have had no shot at scoring that goal, the fact that he just shot it to see what happens is still an important thing in playing as a 10. Mm-hmm. Because no one else is going to do it on this team because we have seemingly <laughs> forgotten how to take shots. Well, we've forgotten how to finish them. We can take them. <laughs> we can take them and send them over the bar, but, you know, putting them on frame is another issue. Also, um, who got their first assist on that? Chuck's man of the match, Kai Wagner, who has... <laughs> I, I His performances just get better... Every game you watch him, he looks so comfortable, not just moving in this formation, but going up against the type of talent that MLS really has to throw at him. I mean, there really haven't been too many pushovers that he's had to go up against now, and he's, you know, you look back at the Ernie Stewart days and you say, oh, I'm trying to play Moneyball. Ernst Tanner played Moneyball with this pick big time, and it's looking like the return investment on him is going to be something else. That is... That was a good, good move to get this guy here. Yeah. I think, and I think you can almost sort of compare it to Barco, too. And, like, Atlanta played money for Barco. Um, And not that he's not going to be a return on investment, but you think about the investment that the union put into Wagner and, like, what they're getting back for him um, is pretty incredible. I mean, I think they're doing a good piece of business with that move. And, um, I think Wagner's proving them right in every way, shape, or form, you know. Yeah, but um, going back to uh, to Aronson, who, you know, wouldn't have happened if Wagner didn't free him in the middle and to have the speed. But um, what was so good to watch him, to what was so good to watch from this kid is that when the ball is coming to him, he's two steps ahead of what that midfield opposition is going to bring to him. His turns mm-hmm. are natural and fluid. He is anticipating the tackle and getting into positions to make plays. He's splitting he's splitting lines with his passing. He's quick. It's it's watching someone who's just naturally gifted at the at the game at a super young age against a super talented Atlanta midfield. Yeah, when you when you have to go up, I think as a as an attacking midfielder, when you have to go up against guys like Jeff Lorentowitz and Darlington Nagby, I mean these guys have been around for a long, long time, and he was playing with them, you know. And there were times where he would step and make a fake and and leave a dummy and like just, I mean, and just completely, uh, you know, confuse them. I also liked how it. He definitely was a pest, too. I mean, he didn't let anybody have any time on the ball. You know, he was out there sprinting around trying to make sure nobody had time to to move, to pass, to pick out things. Um, And so I think that hurt the Atlanta attack a lot. Wow. Actually, this is crazy. So he only played 19 passes. Um, Yeah. But, like, every single one except... Three went forward. Yeah, yeah. You never saw him go backwards with the ball. Yeah, and that's that's a midfield player that we haven't seen since Barnetta was running through the midfield for Philadelphia. A guy who was always willing to drive forward. He's trying to make the play go forward. He doesn't require build up. He's simply a guy who you give you put the ball at his feet. 
He's going to make a move. He's going to make you miss. Or he's just going to find his guy in open space. And the speed of those attacking players is really a testament to that, even though they couldn't really finish any of his chances that they gave him. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the way the Union offense is operating right now, it's going to be really hard to sit him for extended periods of this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I mean, I think it, yes, I would agree with you, but I think it will depend on what happens post this coming week. I mean, this we'll talk about this coming week later, but I think, like, post this coming week, when everybody gets back, when Fabian's back in the lineup, like, I think it will be really interesting on how we choose to play that, because then I think you're seeing this, like, we have a clog in the middle of all these midfielders who haven't really shown us anything of, like, don't play them. Um, and so it will be interesting to see what comes out. But I do think Aronson looked looked professional at 18, you know, and I think that's that's a testament to what's happening at Steel, and that's a testament to union organization that they can stick an 18-year-old and then be like, yeah, cool, whatever happens. You know, yeah, and, and overall, this we didn't is a get great crushed. problem to have. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, one of the other stats that I thought was interesting that I think maybe is worth talking about is our possession stat was very, very low. Um, it looked like by the end of the game, Atlanta had seventy-two percent of the possession. We had about twenty-eight percent of the possession, but the shots were almost even. So, that's an interesting. I mean, and we did have to absorb a lot of pressure, but that's an interesting thing. Do you guys have any thoughts on on that after watching the game? Uh, props to the back line because they absorbed all of the pressure and dealt with it. Like, even Ray Gaddis, who we have com- almost fired into the sun in these first two episodes, um, ended up having a solid match. Yeah. I thought I was worried going in, especially putting him against Pity Martinez, you know, and not that Pity has like had a had a glowing start to his MLS career, but I think like I was worried that he was gonna look exactly like Gerso last week, but he didn't, you know, he didn't play as much into into the game as much as I thought he would. Um, so I thought that was definitely good from from the back line. I thought they looked solid. I didn't think Atlanta had that many chances that looked like they could have been goals. We're not, you know, Blake didn't, I didn't feel like Blake had as many, like, didn't have to make that many, like, crucial, crucial saves. Oh, yeah, this is his easiest game of the season by far. Yeah, for sure. Do you guys have any other thoughts before we get to uh, our fabled award? Um, do you guys have any other thoughts about this game? Things you were seeing, players that played well or didn't play well? Um, I think... As we've done in the first two episodes, the first two weeks of the season, we need to give out a round of applause to our center backs. Um, yeah, we had no business going into Atlanta and shutting them down, and it is in big effect to Jack Elliott and Austin Trusty that we did. Like, um, it's gonna be really hard for Mark McKenzie to get back in this lineup right now. Yeah. For sure. Another good problem to have. A lot of the problems with this lineup seem to be issues that just come with rotation of players who 
will most likely play better <laughs> if they're put in the position to do so. Um, Jim Curtin has a lot of flexibility right now, mm-hmm. and that really enables him to get a little more creative with mm-hmm. his choices. The question is, yeah, <sighs> grown. The question is, is Jim capable? Is Jim Curtin capable of yeah, effectively cause... making those choices? Yeah, that's the problem. Outside of Craval, every single change that Curtin has made has been forced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I it's like we can get creative, but will Jim actually get creative? And I'm not sure that the answer to that is yes. So I'm just very happy that we didn't see Osinho at the ten after what he did when he came on in relief of Aronson at the end of that game. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not good. Um, so I guess we can talk about the Golden Consensus. So, Cat Jr., you were monitoring the uh, the fan poll today. Who who came out the winner there? Well, for the first time in his views from the bridge career, Ray Gaddis was not nominated. Um, but uh, I had one person who responded. Actually, uh, Mr. Union Hulk said, can I file all of the above? Because... Um, <laughs> Most of the choices really were um, fair play at this point. You've got the two striking options in Corey Burke and Fafa Pico. You've got the guy who's pretty much the reason Atlanta scored because of his ball watching, Harris Madunianin. And then our fourth nominee, Mr. Brad Guzan, who had himself a minor <laughs> glitch, a glitch of sorts. Yeah, he that, was playing FIFA yes, and got in cool. buffering mode. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, I'll give him credit on a deflection that's very hard to go back when you're a keeper and you're committing to a side. But, um, man, that face, that facial expression of him <laughs> falling down when Aronson scored, just, uh, you, you could hang that in the Philly Art Museum as Renaissance art. It's, that was something else. But, uh, the winner of our fan poll was surprisingly not either of the strikers, but Harris Madunianin. And I do think. It is glaring because it was his mistake really alone that gave Barco the free header to get Atlanta back in this game. Someone that little should not beat you with a free header in the box. Ever. No. 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 The dude's what? Like three foot two? Come on. Yeah, seriously. Come on. Seriously, I, it was interesting after it, like watching on Twitter because I think it was Kincaid who was like, oh my gosh, it was Bedoya who passed... Barco off, and I was like, it doesn't matter who passed him off. Once the ball's in the air, somebody just needs to go get it. And, like, all, like, Trusty took two steps that way, but he wasn't ever going to get there anyway. And Madunian just stood there and, and watched and was hoping that it would come down to his chest. And I'm like, no, it's in the box. You have to go get it. And he didn't. So I don't I don't know that I agree with that as the, the actual, you know, full game Golden can say South, but for that, that moment, that moment. moment for sure. Yes, for sure. there's a mo- there's a moment in the midfield if you go back and watch that game, where Harris has a choice to either pick up a trailing Darlington Nagby or Ezekiel Barco moving into the box. He chooses Ezekiel Barco. He goes with Barco, giving him about maybe three four yards worth of space or so. And for the four seconds it takes for that build-up to happen, Harris stands there and looks at that bleach-blonde hair standing in front of him, (laughs) waiting for the ball. And then the ball is delivered in, 
and he does not make a move towards the ball, if you're in that position, just go for it. Put yep. your body in the way. Just yep. throw him off in the slightest. Like, yo, you got a body right here. This isn't going to be totally easy for you. But you give a kid who's as talented as Barco the space like that, he's probably going to capitalize on a good amount of his chances. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one other moment that I loved in this game, and this doesn't have anything to do with the Golden Casesos, is how about Blake's save of the Martinez bicycle? I was like, he set that one up, and he still saved it. That was pretty incredible to me. Yeah, that was a great moment. And um, also, the only reason that one of the strikers didn't win the Golden Conceição this year, this week was just because both of them were in the poll. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's why one of, <laughs> yeah, I one, feel of, like I've, <laughs> one of the replies... I feel like the people just couldn't choose. <laughs> one of the replies was, insert name of ineffective striker here. And I 100% agree with that because Fafa Pico showed that he is a wonderful winger. Yep. He has done nothing yet to show me that he is even a league average striker. Yes. Yes. Um, Corey Burke's game, I just don't know what the hell he was doing on that pitch because he has played like an above average striker in the past, but seems to have forgotten what to do with his feet and head. Yeah, and the thing that bothers me about him in that game was he's like a 6'3", big, 6'4", 6'5", whatever he is, big dude, and he couldn't keep anybody off the ball. I mean, everybody, you know, Robinson, I think three or four times, ran right through him to get the ball. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you are a big dude. Like, don't let the other team get to the ball, but it just seemed like he couldn't couldn't keep anybody off of it. Yeah, Robinson and Gonzalez Perez owned our front two. Yeah, it's true. It's true. They should And and they're and a credit to them for doing so, but they're not necessarily in the elite category of MLS defenders, even though it is Atlanta United, you know. Definitely put a few guys ahead of them to begin with right out of the gate. But man, they look they just made them look simply ineffective last night. And you kind of count your lucky stars that you had your play in the midfield keeping you in those situations where you could thrive because Atlanta could have easily taken over that game after that goal by Barco. I'm telling you, I, I really, I, I was very skeptical about their ability to close that out from a team perspective, but credit to everyone besides the strikers in if, that union game. If Hector Villalba does even a slightly better job at staying on side for most of the game, we're talking about a completely <laughs> different game. Yeah. Although you could say that about Burke and Pico, too. If they do a slightly better job about staying on side, then we might be talking about a totally different game, too, because they had three or four offsides calls as well. So it's true. It's true. Well, so are we... Are we going to go with the fan poll, or do we have a different winner of the Golden Consensus this this week? Um, I mean, I think between the three names mentioned in the fan poll, they all kind of need to take a joint Consensus this week. I guess, 
I guess we can do that. Evan's not here, so we can do whatever we want. Paul's not a fan of that. Um, Go ahead and state your case, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Anarchy is reigning in this podcast now that Evan's not here. This has turned to total chaos. Um, Now, you you know, the more awards, the better, right? You know? (laughs) But, um, if if I had to pick... One of the three, for pure from a pure frustration standpoint, it would really have to be Corey Burke because there was nothing he really did to affect the game positively, and at least Fafa made the runs and got into the spaces, but was simply beaten by his defender. And at least Harris was facilitating to an extent and didn't get beat on every single play he was involved in. So. I would go with Corey Burke, with my runner-up being Brad Guzan's face. (laughs) (laughs) If it were me, I think I... See, I'm in the... If it was pure frustration, it would go... I would go with Fafa. I just thought he had two really good actual opportunities. Like, I think the, the ones that Corey would have had, he still would have had to create something, or it would have been a pretty good shot still. But, like, Fafa had two pretty clear-cut chances and one really clear-cut chance with a wide-open net and somehow missed that one. So, I think... But if it were me, that's why I think we should go with all three because I think Madunian caused a goal to be let up and Pico didn't score a goal he should have and Burke was just overall frustrating. So... I, I can think. hear Chuck pouring the heaviest whiskey <laughs> I could ever hear. Go ahead. Who do you think gets the award, Charles? <laughs> no, I mean, we, we've already thoroughly covered the award. The only other person who even merits a mention is Alejandro Bedoya. I'm so glad you made this yeah. point, my sure. friend. Please, please go. Like, at this point of the season, Bedoya has been pedestrian. It's true. He is not being paid to be pedestrian. He's not necessarily being paid to be a top DP, but he's just thoroughly not been good enough. Um, Because he's supposed to be the guy like putting in a defensive work rate and at least recycling the ball. And his defense has been okay-ish. Um, I get it because he's also compensating for Harris Madunian more than normal right now, but offensively, he's offered almost nothing. Yeah, aside from a few arid runs into the box, I mean, you know, they're attacking chances, yes, but he needs to stop playing like his job is guaranteed at this point because there are a lot of good midfield options that Jim Curtin has available right now. And if he's even a competent soccer mind, he can see that Alejandro Bedoya is not untouchable in this union lineup. I'd and love to see him sat for Fontana. Mm, yeah. I mean, I'd take anybody at this point. <laughs> I'd take anybody at this point, but Fontana would be fun. Um, yeah, I would agree with you. I think, like, we don't, you don't, you don't pay players like this to to not do well, and I think he's got to look at he's got to look at somebody like a com. I mean, we paid a lot of money for a com, and a com doesn't see the field. 
So, I mean, I think he's got to start looking at that and going, what can I, what can I do better? And, and hopefully maybe we, uh, we see some changes if changes need to be made. Well, I think as the de facto host of this episode, <laughs> ah yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the van poll, and I'm just gonna give all three of them. I think all three of them that we put in, I will give them a tied. Only because I don't want to point somebody specific out. I think this was actually a pretty good performance overall. We got a one-one draw on the road against the defending champs. There's not much to complain about there, so I think. I'll give the three of them so that we spread the wealth a little bit and don't pin on pin this all on one player. Congratulations, so we'll, you three. You can we'll, pick your award up at Rico's Jalapeno <laughs> Popper Lounge right across the street from the stadium. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. All right. Well, one thing I did want to talk about. I think, like, obviously week one we trended pretty negative. Last week we didn't have too many negative things to say based on a weird red card and then this week was a pretty actually a pretty good performance so I wanted to know your thoughts three games in who would you say is the MVP and I'll give you two different ways to look at this one would be best player over the course of the last three games who's played the best or sort of like baseball's wins over replacement stat or wins above replacement stat like who do you think is actually the most influential player um, who if you would look at a stat similar to that of like, this is how much better they've been than the replacement that could be on the field for them. Who's been the best player for you? So that's the question. So who is your MVP over the course of the first three games? Oh, I was going to go second because everyone already knows mine. Well, you might as well just go ahead and say it, my yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Spill the beans. Spill the beans. Shocker. It's Kai Wagner. <laughs> um, what? The Literally no union player on the field has been better than him, either at attacking or defending. So I think he's kind of a shoe-in. Paul, you got any thoughts on that? I'm inclined to agree with you because no one has stood out more and improved more from a professional standpoint. Uh, Coming from uh, a shaky start to a very solid, you know, fullback in a new system with totally new teammates that are also not accompanied to a new system. You know, pretty much everyone's fresh here with this new way of playing under Ernst Tanner. And that left side of the field just looks natural flow and movement to the game. And it is an extreme credit to um, Kai Wagner. Um, but I'll I'll give my MVP so far to Austin Trusty simply due to his work rate, uh, covering for his teammates when they're out of position, uh, being strong, being fast, being able to hold on to the ball and dribble the ball. Uh, like He'll dispossess a guy, take a few touches to get himself in a good position to get the ball upfield, and you're not concerned. Like you're not con- He's not a lanky center back that can't distribute and can't move with the ball. You know, he, He's just showing you that he's 
truly a professional <laughs> soccer player at a very young age. And I feel like he's only going to grow from here. And, you know, with Elliot and McKenzie, and you also have Colin waiting in the wing as well in a veteran presence, I think the only real consistent thing you have on this union team besides Andre Blake being a brick wall is Austin Trusty being physical, quick, and smart with the ball. You know, obviously he's made a couple arid tackles that have led to free kicks and everything. It happens to everyone. But he's someone, when the ball gets to him in the back, I'm not afraid that he's just going to kick it upfield and hope someone gets on the end of it. Like the union of past. Yeah, I mean, literally the only thing that separated him and Wagner for me is the penalty. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, besides that penalty that really, you know, opened things up for SKC last week, he's been solid. Just generally not many flaws to his game. Yeah, I think for me, like, and uh, you basically just gave my whole spiel, but I was going to go with Jack <laughs> Elliott. So I don't know, like, it's not that much different. I think, like, Elliott knows how to pick a pass. He knows how to, like, play out of the back, which I think the Union are trying to do more this year a little bit. And I think, so that's good. I think he doesn't really put a foot wrong most of that time. I think he is fast enough. Like, it's amazing to me how he closed it, closes down space on guys that are probably faster than him. But he's able to keep up with them and and close down that space. Um, and really, I mean, other than, like you said, the, the penalty for Trusty, I think the only thing that separates Elliot and Trusty for me or Elliot and Wagner for me are was the own goal. And, I mean, the own goal you kind of put on. They had already red card at that point in time. We weren't going to win that game anyway, so it didn't really matter. But, you know, that's really the only thing he's done wrong this season either. So, I think between Trusty, Elliot, and Wagner, like, that's a pretty that's a pretty solid back line right there. Yeah. Um, I do have a different answer for the, like, wins above replacement type thing. Though. Yeah. Um, and that's Warren Craval. Like, yeah. from what we saw in the first game, with him not being in the lineup, and what we've seen since, it's like night and day. Um, yeah. Like, he is the quintessential central defensive midfielder where can't pass or do anything in the attacking third to save their lives. But when it comes to protecting the defense... There aren't many better. And that's yeah. honestly why I feel that the best union lineup right now may involve dropping Harris Bandunian in for Craval and going balls to the wall going forward. Yeah. I could agree with you on that. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. So moving forward, thinking about next week. Uh, we haven't really done this yet on this game of preview or this podcast of like previewing the next game, but we asked on Twitter, you, you guys asked on Twitter today of some things that any questions that people had, and we got two pretty similar ones. One, Justin Friedberg, uh, Union Nuts 26, says, With Burkow on international duty, I'm curious about who Curtin puts in the two forward spots. Right now, Burke and Pico are not working out. And Chap, Chap18430 says, with Brendan's success in Atlanta and decreased depth at striker due to the injuries and call-ups, do you think Jim would consider Fabian as a second striker with Pico or Com? 
This would allow Aronson to stay on as the 10 and get Montiero and Bedoya as left and right mid. So my question would be, what do you think the lineup looks like on Sunday? Uh, with that second question, Fabian is also out this week with the red card. So uh, we are looking at a two-week suspension for him. So Fabian is not available. So what do you think the lineup looks like this week? And I'll set it up with this way. So call-ups for the union. Uh, Andre Bur- Blake and Corey Burke are both out for Jamaica. <laughs> Warren Craval is out for Guyana, and Matt Real is with the U.S. under-20s. Um, and then Sergio Santos is still out with an injury. For the crew, um, Giazzi Zardes and Will Trapp are both with the U.S. Waylon Francis is with Costa Rica. Justin Miram is in Iraq. And Abu Bakar Keita is with the under-20s as well. And Zach Steffen is out to an injury. So those are kind of the things we know about right now. With all, this, all of that to consider, what do we think the lineup looks like this week? This is an extremely difficult predicament for Jim Curtin because he really does have the flexibility here to go balls to the wall attack. But the thing is, dude's got to get dude's got to get a win. All right? <laughs> sure. The Union have to secure 3 points in a game where Columbus is basically down to less than half of their starters being available for selection. So in that regard, I don't think he changes a whole lot when it comes to the defensive side, but I think if you're trying to exploit, you know, a backup goalkeeper and definitely break through the midfield, you've got to give Aronson the start again at the 10. You go with Fafa and David Akam up top simply due to speed alone and Aronson's ability to distribute. And I, I'm just... It's tough, man. It really is, because without Crawford there, you clearly have to look at Derek Jones being an option of it unless you truly believe that Montero is ready to step in and make an impact as, you know, a box-to-box midfielder. And it also begs the question, where in the world is Anthony Fontana? Is he able to break into this lineup? It's, it's such... It, Jim really does have some decisions to make this week. And this will really determine whether or not he can read his opponent and counter that with lineup flexibility. Well, your um, where in the world is Anthony Fontana um, question gets to my lineup prediction, which is slightly different because I don't think that they're going to throw Montero out there. Hopefully he makes the bench, but also we haven't heard anything about his visa yet, so I don't know if he's even eligible to make the bench yet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For one, the union seemed very clear on starting two different strikers at the same time. Like, they don't want to go two speed guys at once. So, kind of seems like you got to give Casper the start. Um, Okay. Up next to Fafa, because I don't think that Fafa is going to sit anytime soon, because... Jim Curtin's just not someone who's going to sit anyone that's healthy. Um, Aronson still definitely earns the star at the 10. I'd probably go um, Fontana over Derek Jones purely on for distribution's sake because you'd have... A much more attacking midfield with him in it and he still offers at least enough defensive fortitude to play some cover 
same back line, and then Cornell and goal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm struggling with this one. Yeah, I think it is hard because you don't see them play two of the same strikers. So Pico and Akam, I don't think are going to do anything more than what Burke and Pico have been doing. Um, so I think that's that's my struggle. I think I, I would probably go DJ um, just because of his at least a little bit. Although Fontana has some defensive ability too. So I don't know that that makes that a big difference. But it is hard to kind of like, do you play DJ for a little bit of that more defensive, bigger body you know, whatever, to help Harris out? Or do you play Fontana, which might have a little bit more, you know, he's played at the 10. He may have a little bit more of that offensive ability as well. So I think it it is really hard to kind of decide what to do in that in that hole, I guess. As critical as I've been of Jim Curtin and his ability to pick a lineup, I really can't blame him if he doesn't pick the right lineup this week. Not necessarily, you know, gets the... He, if he gets the win and it's still... I have questions about the lineup, whatever. That's fine. You know, he's still able to get guys on the field to perform. But uh, this is this is tough this week because for once he's got people that he can really... He's got a steady rotation. And I think Tanner's really set him up for that to be able to have guys that can come up when needed. You know, that break the status quo of his normal Philadelphia Union lineup. And, um, you know, it couldn't be a better opponent to go against than Columbus in this week. Yeah, yeah. Columbus is down as well. So the other the other uh, question there, and Chuck, you talked about it just really quickly. Um, who do we see at the goalkeeper position? This is an interesting thing for the Union that they haven't had in several years with a spot behind Blake that is uncertain. John McCarthy is down in Tampa with the Rowdies. Um, so do we see Cornell? Matt Freeze black, backed up Blake this past week. So who do you who do you think gets the starting goal this week? Yeah, I'm assuming that Cornell was signed to be the number two keeper because Matt Freeze doesn't really look ready for MLS-level competition yet. Yeah, and, you know, given the situation with Columbus being down, you know, a lot of their starters, that doesn't mean they're not lethal when they get moving on the counterattack. You know, you definitely don't want to put him in situations where, you know, you got three on twos and he kind of needs to stay super composed in his own right. You know, if he's, you know, protecting a goal with six or seven guys behind the ball, he can make pretty good decisions that he's shown at the collegiate level. Uh, but you're right. This signing of Colonel doesn't happen if the intention is he's not the backup goalkeeper for Andre Blake when it comes to be. I think they're grooming Freeze to be the inevitable replacement for Blake when he's allowed to finally go somewhere. <laughs> and Jamaica we're reaches a high enough FIFA ranking. Yeah, as soon as Jamaica starts making some moves, man, I'm telling you, someone's going to pay a lot of money for Andre Blake. But until that time comes, you have to... I I just think you have to give it to the guy that you used an international spot for and you took from another team. You know, you don't make that move if you're not confident in his ability. 
people. Sure, absolutely. So I, I do think it's interesting because I think the union are just sort of in between, and you know we haven't we really haven't had a keeper problem in several years, and and the problem before was just a weird signing that shouldn't have been made. Ugh, uh, yeah, but let's not name that. Yeah, we'll not name that, but just a weird signing that shouldn't have been made. But you. You knew between uh, you know Zach McMath and and John McCarthy that somebody was going to be there, and it also looks like between Freeze and Tomas Romero down at Steel, you have a couple young guys who are coming through coming through the system. It's just like we're right in that in in between spot. So I think that's why you bring Cornell in as well. So we'll see what happens there. Well, guys, any other thoughts on the Union and where we are in the season and? Any of that? Any last last final words? I am genuinely, like, relatively happy for the most part with how this season has started. Like, yes, it doesn't look that way in the table, but anyone that looks at the early schedule in the year and then looks at the summer schedule in the year should realize there's a lot of room to make up for this really tough draw that the Union have gotten to start the year. I would um, I would like to divert from the season alone and just give a shout-out to Fafa Pico for handling himself very well against um, the social media tirade that was put upon <laughs> him this morning by one um, clearly disturbed individual, um... A lot of composure and a lot of uh, guts to kind of put that out there. He could have kept that to himself, but um, I, I think it sends a message to a lot of the uh, internet trolls and um, people online that you can't cross. There's a line, you cannot cross it, and you your shit will be blown up <laughs> if if it so deems worth blowing up and. Uh, all the credit to him because he did have a rough game last night people are allowed to be upset with a professional individual with a professional athlete but really kudos to him for standing strong and kind of I think he's going to use this to really motivate himself going forward uh it sucks that that's what the nature of the message that was sent to him was but really all the power to him and I feel like he's got a lot to grow from this yes. experience yeah if you're a views from the bridge listener we expect you not to be sending dms like that to our players not okay yeah. not okay not cool we can criticize their performance but do not send them messages that's not okay so uh well thanks guys for joining us as always thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to mls usl and us soccer get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com Go check out the rest of our BGN, Beautiful Game Network family, over at bgn.fm. That's where you can find us as well, or at VFTBpod on the Twitterverse. So head over to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to the show, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter. For the views from the bridge, Cass, Chuck Booth, and Cat Jr., I'm Justin Ashcraft. Thanks for joining us. Later. Goodbye.